Turn to two people as you're sitting down and say, the middle matters. Tell two people, the middle matters. Well, what do you mean the middle matters? Well, the middle of something is the core of what it is. It's the center. It's a series that we're in at Meadows Church, and I know Pastor Casey already said it, but I got to say it again. If you're new to Meadows today, welcome home. We're so glad that you're here. And if you've been to the party before, welcome back. God has been doing something supernatural, not just in the last couple of weeks in the series, but since the inception of the church about 15 months ago when God planted Meadows Church. Uh, my name is Monty, and I'm super excited. The core is the series, and if you're new, I'm going to recap you real quick. Two weeks ago, we looked at week one, we looked at God's word. And we said that if we make God's word the center of who we are and it becomes our authority, it will change how we act, how we live, how we respond. It will change everything about us. My pastor preached that, that, that weekend and he said, we all, we all have an authority. We all live our life based on something. Whether you even acknowledge it or not, something is your authority that guides your decisions, how you raise your kids, uh, how you react to other people, who you hang out with, how you speak, what you watch. That's all driven by something. We believe if you drive it based on what God says, because he loves you more than you could even know, it will change your life. Last week, we looked at um, the core of excellence. And we said that we, we believe that if we set the bar high in our lives, in, 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 in what we're trying to achieve, it will change us. Like if we set the bar high and we aim higher, we, it will change our life. And we, we learned last week that God has a sense of humor because last week our screens were messed up and God still got a sense of humor because our screens are still messed up, but God's still going to show up. I mean, he showed up last week. Did Pastor Casey tell you that we had somebody give their life to Christ last week? Did you give God glory for that? This is why we exist, leading people to Jesus and your God-given purpose. Say, I have a purpose, but do you believe it? Do you? I hope you do. I hope you do because you have a purpose. You were created to do something no one else will do or can do. You were created to live a life that nobody else can, can live. And if we don't live out our purpose, other people will be impacted. That's what we're finding out. So we looked at, we looked at excellence, and I had, I had pictures I was going to show you because I, I said, where do we go for excellence? Well, of course, we go to Pinterest, right? Pinterest is where you find excellent. I was going to show you a picture. I was going to show it this week, too, but God must not want me to show it. It was a picture of an Elmo cake, right? And Elmo was so beautiful. It was a, a, a kid turned one year old, a beautiful Elmo cake. And then I said, the other cake that we try to make looks like Elmo on crack. And I was going to show you that because somebody wanted to see that picture. That's, that's what I, you know your church needs help is after the service last week, it's, I kid you not, so I'm back, the service is done, and people come talk, and they tell me about, hey, this is what God's doing. Somebody's like, hey, pastor, I'm like, oh my gosh, they're going to tell me what God's doing. They're like, hey, I'm really disappointed, I didn't get to see that picture of Elmo on drugs. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's our church, we need help, we need Jesus, we need Jesus. But Jesus um, is excited today, because it's a freezing day, but yet the, the house is packed at Meadows. God is going to do something supernatural. He blesses those who seek him, um, and I think we're going to get a double portion, because it's freezing outside. God is so good to us. So today, rather than, rather than kind of uh, tell you exactly what the topic is, I'm going to tell you a story. But before I do, I want to tell you what Jesus said in John 10.10. He said that there's an enemy, the devil, and the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And make no mistake, he is real, and that is what he looks to do every day in your life and the people that you love. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He says, but, but, but I have come to give you life, and he doesn't stop there. He says, and give it to the full. Or another translation says, give it abundantly. This is what I believe. I believe there are a lot of people not living an abundant life. I'll even put it down a notch. I think there are a lot of people not even living life. I think there are a lot of people just existing. And the reason I say that is because that was me most of my life. 
I would exist. I would do the job. I would do the grind. It would be day in and day out. And Monday turned into Tuesday, and Tuesday turned into Wednesday, and pretty soon another week was gone, but I wasn't living a purpose-filled life. I wasn't loving people the way Jesus called me to love people. I wasn't living, I wasn't living, and it certainly wasn't abundant. And what I'm going to share with you today, this is why it's so, this is why you're so blessed to be here today. What I'm going to share with you today is what I believe the number one thing that will hold you back from your purpose in life. It is the number one thing that holds people back. I'll tell you a story. Story starts uh, in uh, the year 1519. It says February 19, 1519. Span a Spanish explorer, Cortez, set sail for Mexico with an entourage of 11 ships, 13 horses, and 110 sailors, and 553 soldiers. The indigenous population upon his arrival was approximately 5 million that were currently there. From a, mathematical stand, from a mathematical standpoint, the odds were stacked against Cortez and his team by a ratio of 7,541 to 1. Two previous expeditions had failed to even establish a settlement in the New World, yet Cortez conquered much of the South American continent. What Cortez is reported to have done after landing is an epic tale of mythic proportions. He issued an order that turned his mission into an all-or-nothing proposition. This is what he told his team. Burn the ships. So his team burnt the ships to the ground. His crew watched as their fleet of ships burned and sank, and they came to the terms with the fact that retreat was not an option. In a sense, what they did was they burnt plan B. You know what plan B is, right? Plan B is what many of us will do when plan A gets too expensive, it gets too difficult, it gets too costly, and we will retreat to plan B. Plan B was never God's plan. Plan B can be a good plan. That's what makes it so tough. It can be an exciting plan, but it's not God's plan. They burnt the ships. Most people will not live their God-given purpose. That's a fact. Jesus says most people um, won't even join him in eternity. But I'm telling you what, God brought you here today so you can learn in your life how you can burn plan B. T tell two people, burn plan B. Tell them right next to you, burn plan B. We've got to burn plan B because that's not God's plan for your life. But what's that require? Risk. It requires risk. What does risk require? Faith. Say faith. Faith. So what if I told you that unless you take risks in life, unless you live by faith in life, you're not even pleasing your Father in heaven. Like you're displeasing God. And you might think, well, that's your opinion. It's not. It's God says it in his word. I'll show you. Hebrews 11.6, it says, and it is impossible, say impossible, impossible to please God without faith. You can't you can't not ex exhibit faith and please God. You have to walk by faith, which means you have to take risks, which means I got to give you the main point for today. And I know that every weekend there's some people that will take notes and some don't. I want to encourage you with everything in me. This is the week. If you're ever going to start writing stuff down, this is the week. As God gave me this word and this message, I know he's got a word for you. I know he's going to speak to you. Um, and I just, I just want to encourage that. It's so important. But this is it. You will not live your purpose by playing it safe. It's a fact. 
It is a fact. You will not live your purpose by playing it safe. In fact, that's why it's one of our core values. We believe high risk equals high reward. We just believe that. Now, there's a difference, mind you. i got to give a disclaimer. I always do. There's a difference between high risk and being stupid. Okay? Now, I've done a lot of stupid. So, I, uh, Jody and I have been married 15 years. And uh, when we got married, we went to Cancun. Right? And I wasn't walking with Jesus. So, it was like we partied. It was 2003, but we partied like 1999. And it was wild. And we... Uh, the all-inclusive resort um, had uh, excursions you can do. You know, you can pick things to do. And I wanted to go parasailing. I'm like, I've never parasailed. This is going to be awesome. But I'm also cheap, and that's a problem because it was kind of expensive. So I said, let's just go right into Cancun. We'll just find something that's cheaper. You know, there's always negotiations going on. So we found an outfit, and the outfit really didn't have a name. Um, it was, uh, if it did have a name, it would be two guys in a boat because that's what it was. Two guys, it'd actually be two guys who smoked a lot of cigarettes and had a boat because they were down in them. And so we get there, and I'm like, hey, they show me the price. I'm like, yeah, that's, you know what, Jody? I don't even think we signed a disclaimer or nothing. That should have been a red flag. No disclaimer, no, uh, no, 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 uh, nothing. I mean, we should have signed something, but we didn't. So we signed up and did it. So it was a tandem, uh, tandem deal for parasailing, so you sit together. And I'd never done it before, so I really didn't know what to expect. So we, they, they sit us down. I would say they strapped us in, but they didn't. And you think I'm making this up, but I'm not. We were not strapped into nothing. We were sitting in a seat with nothing. And we start to go up, and I'm not kidding you. The seat was more like a slide. It tilted forward. And I'm like, this is wrong. What is happening? We were not. So I was freaking out. I'm like, well, they must know what they're doing. I mean, they smoke a lot of cigarettes. So obviously, they, they got, they, they're doing something, right? So we're, we're, as we're going up, this is, this is a true story. As we're going up, you know, I'm, it's getting higher and higher, and I'm freaking out because I'm, like, tilted forward. And their little boat is getting smaller and smaller, and their little cigarettes are getting tinier and tinier. And I'm freaking out, and, I'm pr and pretty soon we're really high. And they're doing this. Like, the two little dudes in the boat, they're like this. Like, and I was like, I wanted to do this, but I couldn't let go of this. So I'm holding the, the slide in one hand and Jody's leg you still have the scars and I'm sorry for that but and I'm holding her leg in the other hand and I am not letting go I am yelling I'm freaking out and they're like yeah and I'm like no and they're like yeah and I'm like no and I'm like we're, we've been married for two days and I thought to myself we are going to die that is I thought it with all my heart and I would like to tell you that we didn't die obviously we made it but it was miserable I'll never do it again I'll never do it again and it was miserable but, and I would like to tell you that started with like a step of faith, but it was more like, a, I think it started with two shots of tequila and kind of went downhill from there, didn't it? I'm just, don't judge me. I wasn't walking with Jesus yet, but I'm just high risk and then they're stupid. That was stupid. Let me, let me, I know we don't have the screens, but I'm going to, I'm going to walk through this in such a way that I believe that it's going to speak to you. I mean, if you brought a Bible, open it to first Kings uh, chapter 19 or a mobile device with a Bible app, either one. And let me say something. I, if you... If you need a Bible, we want to give you one. Like I just told you, it's our authority. If you need one, Guest Services has a free one for you, and it's an awesome Bible. But I want this to be a church where we bring our Bibles, where we write and we underline, because God's going to speak to you. I want you to capture it. He's got a word for you. That's why he brought you here. So 1 Kings 19, if you don't know where, that, where that's at, it's in the Old Testament. It's right before 2 Kings, if that helps. I'm just kidding. I'm a jerk. So anyway, so, uh, so 1 Kings, this is the Old Testament. 
so Old Testament is before Jesus came to earth as, as a human, okay? So this is the Israelites were God's people, and they're making mistakes and going against what God says, and he's patient with them, and he's walking with them, and, and God had prophets. Prophets were guys that God would speak to, and then they would speak to the people. So the, the main prophet for Israel during this time in 1 Kings was Elijah, okay? So this, this could get a little confusing because the other character is Elisha. Okay, I don't know why God would do that, God. Why would you make them so close in name? And like, if you're a parent, I don't know if it's just me, but even when they're not close, when I'm calling out somebody in my house, like a kid, I call them every name, including the dog and the neighbors, except their name. It's like I go through 14 names, and then I get to them. So this could be a struggle. But Elijah was the prophet at the time. Elisha is another, another dude you're going to hear about. Let's do this. 1 Kings 19, I'm starting in the 19th verse. It's only going to give you a few verses right away. It says, so Elijah went and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, plowing a field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Elijah went over to him, to Elisha. He threw his coat on him. So, he, so Elijah, the prophet, throws his coat on Elisha and just walks away. It's weird. Now, I'll pause for a second. So, Eli so Elijah didn't say anything to him. Just throws his coat on him, but I'm telling you, Elisha, he knew what it meant. It meant this is the passing of a mantle. Something is happening that is big. God is calling me into my purpose. Today, God may be very well calling you into your purpose. Lean into this. I, I promise you. Just check this out. So he, Elijah says nothing, throws his coat on him. So what's Elisha do? He's got this coat on him. So Elisha left the oxen where he was plowing, ran after Elijah, and said to him, first, let me, let me go home and kiss my mom and my dad. And tell him goodbye. Then I will go with you. Elijah responds, go on back, but think about it. Think about what I've done to you. In other words, Elisha's saying, you know what? I understand this is a big calling. First, let me go, go kiss mom and dad and tell them, you know, tell them goodbye. And then. I wonder how many times in our life that we've said, you know what? Not right now, but then. Or first I need to do this and then I'll do that. I, I, Many times, then becomes the enemy of now, and that's a problem. Because, and, I, and I think I know why Elijah would say, all right, go ahead, but just remember what I've just done to you. In other words, Elijah, I know you're going to go, and you're going to go back, and you're going to see all that you have, but remember, I threw my cloak on you. I've called you out. God has called you out. It, it, it's a key. I'm even going to come back to that verse in a second. Let me finish it out, though. So Elisha returned to the oxen and slaughtered them. Okay, that's, that's confusing. He goes back to the ox and kills them, uses the wood from the plow to build a fire and roast the flesh of the animals. Okay, he passed around the meat to the townspeople and they all ate. And then Elijah, and then he went with Elijah to be his assistant. Wow, say barbecue. I mean, that's a barbecue. Then famous Dave's, you ain't got nothing on Elisha and Elijah. This is crazy. And what makes it so insane, you guys, is this. We know from the story and we know from that little, that little commentary that they had with one another, we know that Elisha would be giving up a lot to accept that mantle, right? So having 12 teams of oxen, first of all, that means, the, so a team or a yoke, it, it, that's two of them together, right? You yoke, a yoke is like a harness. So, so if you have 12 yoke, you got 24 animals. Like an average family in this day would have maybe one yoke, two animals, and a plow. Elisha and his farm has 24 He's wealthy. He's got a lot. I, so let's go back to that one verse. It was, it was 1 Kings 19.20. Remember when Elijah said, 
go on back, kiss your mom and dad, but remember what I've done to you. I, I honestly think he's saying, I, I know what you're going to go back to. I know what you're going to look at. I know it's going to look good. You're going to see where you live. You're going to see the people that you love, and it's going to look great. And there's a good chance when you go back there, you're not going to come back to me. But he says, remember what I've done to you. Like, you get this shot. This is your crossroads. This is your moment in time where I'm calling you out. And you may never get this chance again. You go back, but do not forget what I, and I love what Elisha did. It doesn't say that he went back and kissed his mom and dad. I don't know if he did or didn't. All I know is it said he immediately went ballistic. Like, like he went back and slaughtered them. He burnt plan B. I, 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 he, not, he, he not only stepped away from, he was CEO of Elisha Farms. He stepped away from it all. He not only steps away, he burns it to the ground. This is a radical statement. And I think sometimes we got to get radical before Jesus, before Jesus can get radical for us. He wants to see a step out in faith, and that's what he does. Living your purpose starts with one step. It always does. It's one step of faith that will change what, what, the trajectory of your life. One step, but it's often in the hardest. It's often the most scary. It's often one step, and it often makes no sense. Look at Elisha. It would make zero sense what he did. Think about his hired hands. Think about their perspective. Okay, they see their boss talking to a guy, throws his coat on him. They're like, what? What's our boss doing over there? Now he's coming back with a blowtorch and a machete, and he goes crazy. And they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, don't kill him. We'll take him. We'll, we'll buy him. You know, are we still getting paid, Elisha? Like, is, are we done for the day? You know, it's nuts. He's crazy. He's gone nuts, but he knew if I don't burn it to the ground, there's a good chance I'll go back. If not now, eventually. And I need to remove it completely. Because when you go all in for God, you will burn plan B. You'll burn it. Unless you burn plan B, I'm telling you, we're creatures of what's safe. It's what we always, it's, 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 or maybe that's just me. I doubt it, though. I'm telling you, he had to burn it to the ground. And burning the pulse for Elisha, it meant way more than just quitting a job. It meant starting a new life. That's what he did. We want to start a new life, but you can't start a new life while you're still tethered to the old, can you? He knew that. He had, to cut the, he had to cut the rope. He had to burn the plows. He had to slaughter the animals because he knew if I want something new, I have to leave something old. And that's exactly what he did. See, write this down. This is the other part of your notes. You need to know this. Plan B can be accomplished all by you. It can. You can do it all. Plan A, you can only accomplish through God. You, it, it's the only way it will happen. That is a deal breaker. Sometimes I think we look at God and we know, we hear the stories, God, of the miracles. We hear the stories of how you move in your word. But where are you at in my life when I need a miracle? Where, where's God's faithfulness? Where is your power? Where is your strength? And God's looking down and saying, you don't need it. For what you're trying to accomplish, you can do it. For, for the goals that you set for 2019, I pretty much can just sit up here and do my thing. You don't really need me in the equation right now. Now, when you start to step out... I'll show up. But right now, for what you're doing and the way that you want to raise your family and the, the way that you want to dedicate yourself to the Lord and the way that you want to really live for me, well, you don't need me for what your plans are. See, God can only show us his faithfulness when we take a step of faith. We want to see the faithfulness of God? Take the step. He's not going to show it to you if you don't take it. He doesn't need to. That's what faith is all about, and that's why so many people will miss it. This church plan, you know, this wouldn't exist if I wouldn't have taken that step. But yet I will tell you, I don't pat myself on the back or tell you how faithful I am. You know what I'll tell you? I'll tell you, I think, when I meet God in heaven someday, you know what he'll tell me? 
Monty, you know, Meadows Church was awesome, and you guys did great things for Jesus. The problem is you were supposed to probably plan it two years earlier. I honestly believe that. I believe that we should have been in the Omaha area two years before we were. But I, 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 it was tough. I wasn't obedient. You know why? It was, it was comfortable where I was. It was comfortable is tough. Comfortable is going to try to keep you from your purpose. You know what else is going to try to keep you from your purpose? The familiar. The familiar. That's going to try to keep you from your purpose. Sioux Falls, South Dakota, where I grew up, or that area, was familiar. The church that I was leading there, the campus, it was familiar. And it wasn't a bad thing. I mean, I was a part of a church. Lives were being changed. Yeah, it was good. It just wasn't, it just wasn't God after a while because he called me out of that. I just wasn't listening. Do you catch that? The familiar the, and God, for us, God would have to start to light a match for us sometimes, and he'd have to kind of start, start burning a plow for me. Let me explain what that means. Because I wasn't getting it. It was comfortable. And I tricked myself into believing, well, God, you know, he's not calling me out. This is good. It's growing, and Jody loves her job. Well, you know what, well, you know what plow God burnt? Jody comes home one day. She had her job for, I don't know, 17 years, and it was a good job. I mean, it was a good job. She made good money. She had good friends. It was a good schedule. The benefits were incredible. All, you hear me? Good. It was good. It, was, it just wasn't God. It just wasn't her calling. And, and, and she knew it too. And I think to myself, boy, she's got a good paycheck. And God's like, well, you can either live for a paycheck or you can live your purpose. And I want to say to God, can I have both? You know, I'm like, is that too much? But the truth is you can have both. You can. Where God guides, he provides. Never forget that. Don't sell yourself short. Well, God, I don't know. No, he, he, he owns the cattle and the hills that the cattle stand on. He can take care of you, trust me. But I'm here to tell somebody, when my wife came home and said, you know, I'm pretty, and she's never complained about her job. And she comes home and says, I'm discontent. Like something at work isn't right. And in that moment, it was like God lit a match. And he's like, Monty, you, I've waited two years for you to do something. And obviously you ain't doing it. So throws it on the fire. And, uh, I knew when Jody said that, that God was, I knew something was happening. Because I'm like, she never says those things. And so God is, God is, that's when we really started seeking, okay, God, what is, what is happening here? Because if she's no longer content with her job, what are you doing? Elisha, if you're, you're no longer content with the farming, what are you going to do? What are we going to do? But the familiar, don't let that stand in your way. Some of you, you're dealing with something that's very familiar and very comfortable. And if that's the case for you, you're very well living a good purpose, just not God's purpose. And, and, and here's what's key, because sometimes we want that crystal ball, right? I, I just want to see into the future. I just want to predict the future, right? We couldn't predict what God was going to do, but I think God's showing up in the church in a mighty way, isn't he? God's doing amazing things, you know? And that wasn't just me. We had 10 other adults that left everything to move here, these incredible steps of faith. But I should have done it earlier. I believe that with all my heart. But we're not going to beat ourselves up. I'm moving forward. But I'll tell you this. When it comes to the future, don't worry about predicting it because you can't. But here's what you can do that many people don't know. You can influence it. Did you know that? You can influence your future. And you might think, well, what do you mean? How do I do that? By creating it. Okay? You can create your future. You know how? Burn plan B. That's one way. Go all in for plan A. That's how you do it. That's burn plan B, go in on plan A, stop waiting for things to happen and start making them happen. Because when you move past your plans and into God's purpose, he will show up in ways that you cannot dream or imagine. I promise you, we have to start stepping into what God has. His plans are big. His purpose is huge. But it requires risk. It requires faith. 
But at the end of the day, when you are in the will of God, your God will make a way. He always does. He always does, and he always will. We got to trust him. Say, I trust him. I hope you do. I hope you do. There's more to this story with Elisha. So I'm, we went from, so understand this. Where I ended in the scripture, you know what that said? Elisha signed on to be Elijah's assistant. So he left, he left president of Elisha Farms, top dog, making all kinds of money, family had money, and he goes to the, the bottom rung. And he's the assistant to a prophet. And you might think, well, he, certain, he was the prophet right away. No, he wasn't. Scholars believe it was probably 10 years before what I'm about to read to you. 10 years working under Elijah, learning, growing, watching, mentoring, or mentee. 2 Kings chapter 2. I think it started, yeah, verse 9. I'm going to give you a few things. So, so we fast forwarded now. Elisha's been walking with Elijah. He's taken a step of faith. He's burnt the plows. He's killed the cattle. And now he's moving on. Ten years later, they've just crossed the Jordan River together, Elijah and Elisha. They've crossed the Jordan River, and it says in, in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 9, it says this. When they came to the other side of the Jordan River, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I can do for you before I'm taken away. In other words, Elisha, the time's almost come. You've walked with me for a long time. You burnt the plows. You're in plan A. This is it. Tell me what you need. And Elisha replies, check this out. Elisha replies, please let me inherit a double share of your spirit and become your successor. Wow. Please let me have twice as many blessings as you had. Please let me do twice as many incredible things that you've done. This is a, this, it's a bold statement, and Elijah knows it. Listen to what Elijah says, verse 10. You've asked a difficult thing, Elisha, Elijah replied. If, here's the deal. If you see me when I'm taken from you, then you will get your request. But if you don't see me, then you won't. And I'm sure Elisha's thinking, can I just have like a yes or a no? I mean, whatever. So it's like he's thinking, okay, if I see you when you're taken, uh, then I get it. But if I don't see it, then I don't. Well, I don't get that, but let's see what happens. Here's what happened, verse 11. As they were walking along and talking, suddenly a chariot of fire appeared. It's a miracle. Drawn from horses of fire, a miracle. It drove between the two men. So this, this fire, this fire in the sky of chariots and charioteers goes right in between Elijah and Elisha. Separates them. As they're walking, it separates them. And Elijah was carried away by a whirlwind to heaven. Because that happens all the time. But it did in this case. Elisha saw it. Again, Elisha saw it, and he cried out, My father, my father, I see the chariots. I see the charioteers of Israel. And then they disappeared from sight. Elisha tore his clothes in distress because Elijah, again, was his best friend. He just lost his best friend, gone up into some weird-looking thing. And Elisha, after, after, after that happens, Elisha grabs the cloak that had fallen to the ground, grabs the cloak, remember the mantle? Grabs his mantle and picks it up. Now he's got the cloak that was Elijah's. It's the purpose. He's got the purpose. It's in his hand, which had fallen as he was taken up. And then Elisha returned to the bank of the Jordan River where they just crossed. And look what he does. A miracle. He strikes the water. He throws the cloak down and strikes the water of the Jordan River. And as he strikes the water, the water separates. Just, just like the Red Sea. Remember the Israelites in the Red Sea? Just same thing. Separates. And Elijah walks right through. 
went across. Last verse, verse 15. When the group of prophets from Jericho saw in the distance what's happened, they're like, oh my gosh, Elijah's spirit rests now on Elisha. Did you see that? And they went to meet him and they bowed down on the ground and they worshiped Elisha. So Elisha has the anointing. Elisha has God's blessing. And Elisha's actually actual request to Elijah is granted. And you know how we know that? He got the double portion because God is so precise in his promises. God spoke that promise to Elijah, to Elisha. I'd like a double portion. Well, if you see me, then you'll get it. Well, he saw it, and he gets it. And we know he got it because Elijah has 14 recorded miracles in our scriptures. Elisha has exactly 28 recorded miracles in our scriptures. So this is, this is another miracle that God is that precise, that he, works that, that he is that good at his promises. A double portion of his blessing. And I think to myself as I read that this week and prepared for the message for you, I thought, why? I mean, it seems so easy that he got that. But it really wasn't. I think what makes a guy so bold that he would ask his mentor and ultimately God, I, I'll take a double portion. I'll take a double portion of that blessing. And I truly believe it's this. Elisha didn't hold out on God. So God didn't hold out on Elisha. I believe it with all my heart. From the day that he burnt the plows and killed the animals, God's like, that's my guy. That is my guy. And what he asked for, he'll grant because he is faithful. And for 10 years, he walks with Elijah. And I'm telling you, we have not because we ask not. And we ask not. You know why we don't ask not? Because we still have one hand on the plow and we're still looking at plan B waiting in the wings. That's the problem. You will not live your purpose by playing it safe. You will not live your purpose by playing it safe. Elisha didn't play it safe. He left his family. He left his lucrative job. He left it all and he burned it to the ground. And now look how God is blessing him and anointing him. Let's face it, Elisha could have lived a very comfortable life. He could have lived a good life. But God didn't, God didn't send Jesus for good. Did he? he could, it could have been, it would have been good. It, but, but here's the deal. He wouldn't have lived his God-given purpose. He wouldn't have lived a life pleasing to God if he wouldn't have burnt the plows. He wouldn't have performed 28 miracles and so many other things that changed thousands of people's lives because when you live your purpose, it impacts way more than you. And when you don't step into your purpose, it impacts way more than you. People will say, well, God's will is gonna be God's will. God's will is done. No, it's not. God's will is, is I would say, rarely done. Look at the world that we live in. Look at where we're at as a society. Look at what's going on in the world. I mean, God's will is done when we step into our purpose and walk by faith and trust him in his promises. The promises that he gives to Elijah aren't just for Elijah. They're for you, and they're for you. But Elijah walked by faith. Do you know another guy had the same proposition as Elisha in the New Testament from Jesus? Maybe you're familiar with the story. Maybe you're not. I'll give you a synopsis. The rich young ruler... This is a guy that walked up to Jesus and says, what do I need to do to get eternal life? And they have this conversation, and at the end of the day, at the end of the day, Jesus says to this guy who's got a lot of money, he's got a lot of possessions. Elisha had a lot of money, didn't he? Elisha had a lot of possessions. And Jesus says, you know what? Sell everything you have. Give it to the poor and come follow me. And the Bible says that the guy hung his head and walked away because he couldn't do it. He couldn't step into his purpose. He couldn't burn plan B. He was too attached to it. Well, so I got to sell everything I have to get into heaven? No. You just have to step into plan A, whatever God asks you to do. Okay? The reason Jesus 
the reason Jesus posed that to that man is because he already knew that was, that's what was standing in the way. He, Jesus already knew it. He goes, Jesus knew, and Jesus knew. This is what's first in your life. You put things and money before me. So I'm going to ask you to give that up. And, the, and here's the thing, rich young ruler. If you were to give it up and listen to what I'm doing, if I could just show you. But I can't because then, there, then there's no faith, faith involved. But you would have so much more. Do you know how I know that? Check out the dialogue. After Jesus talks to the rich young ruler in the New Testament, and then the rich young ruler walks away with his head hung low, the disciples talk to Jesus. And Peter says something. Of course, Peter. Peter says something to Jesus. Check this out. Peter says, Father, we've given up everything to follow you. And Jesus says, this is in Mark chapter 10, verse 29. Just jot it down, read it later. But it's verse 29 and 30. Jesus says, this is right after the dialogue with the rich young ruler. Jesus says, yes, you have, Peter. And I assure you. Assure means it's a sure thing. Kind of means it's a done deal. It doesn't mean that it's a, it's a maybe. It's a promise from your father. And he's never reneged on one. I assure you that everyone. So this, this is for Peter and the apostles and for you today, sitting at Meadows Church. Everyone who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and the sake of the good news, listen to the promise, will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, property. And then Jesus adds, along with persecution, which I kind of wish you would have left that part out, but blessed are those who are persecuted. The kingdom of heaven is theirs. And Jesus ends it by saying this, just that and in the world to come that person will have eternal life so what do you mean a hundred times what what jesus is saying there when you when you trust me and you burn plan plan b and you step into plan a i will bless you in ways that you can't dream or imagine that's what he's saying he's not literally saying hundred times he's saying i have so much more for you i'm the one who's given you all that you have so far it's not you or your brain or your talents or your ability it's not you those are from me Everything you have is from me. This is what this is what I want people to understand. And when you but you, but trust risk, and it's not even a risk. I call it risk. It's not when you know the promises of God. It's a risk when you don't follow Him. That's the risk. The rich young ruler. Trust me. Where he's at today, he wishes he would have listened to Jesus. I promise you. I promise you. This week I. Uh, I had the privilege of uh, meeting a couple more intimately that go to the church. They've come for a couple months. They've actually been apart for, I don't know, seven, eight months because they've watched online before they came. Um, they had to watch online. They were in Peru. And I'm meeting with this couple, and they're back from Peru, and they're telling me their story. And I love hearing stories, and uh, we say, you have a story, and every story matters to God. You matter to God. I don't know if I've even said that enough today. If you're here, you matter to God. God is in love with you, despite what you've done, despite where you've been, despite maybe how you've walked away from him. Today, he's walking towards you, and he's pursuing you with a love that you can't imagine. He loves you. And I'm talking to this couple. And uh, so I'm hearing their story, and they're like, yeah, we lived in Texas, and the, 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 the woman, she was uh, in the school district pretty much all her life. So she's in the school district, and she's two years from retiring. Isn't that what we live for, right? When I retire, then I'm going to live the good life. When I retire, then it's going to be all about me. Two years from retiring, she invests all her life into the school system, and she leaves it. Leaves the retirement on the table. Leaves whatever pension or benefits are on the table. 
because God called him to do something. He, same thing, he was in a church, working full-time at a church, doing good things. Lives were being changed. But God says, burn the plows. I've got something even better. If you trust me, he burnt the, they burnt the plows. They sold their things, literally. Go figure, they sold their things. I'm sure they were scared as heck. Probably should have been if they weren't. They have incredible faith, praise God. Left and went to Peru as missionaries. This was never their plan. Trust me, 10 years ago, they weren't thinking, I'm gonna be a missionary in Peru. They weren't thinking that. But God called them to it, and I'm like, wow, Peru? I know nothing about that. Like, talk to me, what, how, what was it like? And you were there for a year and a half or whatever it was. And they said, well, it's hard to describe. A lot of people in Peru don't know the gospel, but that's, I venture to say, a lot of people in America don't know the gospel. So they have a great chance to share the good news of Jesus Christ. I'll share it with you here before you leave, I promise you. So they're in Peru, and what blew me away was when they started to tell me the story about what they really went there for. Obviously, it was to share the gospel, but it was really to save young girls from the sex slave trade, from sex trafficking. And I'm like, yeah, that's, a, I, and I know that's a real thing, and I, I, and I get that. What I didn't know was they started them as early as five and six years old. Didn't know that. What I didn't know, what it, it was common practice for the dad to, to rape the daughters. I didn't know that. What I didn't know is that it's common practice for the mom to sit the young girls down at five, six, seven years old and have them watch porn for hours every day so they can learn how to, how to please a guy. I didn't know that. So they tell me about Maria. Maria was prostituted out by her mom when she was six. And uh, they met Maria when she was nine. So there was three years that I can't even fathom what happened in her life what she was exposed to, what was done to her. I don't even know if I want to know because it... They met her at nine. She was rescued, was brought to them, and uh, you can imagine, where do you begin with something like that? She's messed up. She thinks the way to get to a person's heart is by lifting her shirt. That's all she knows. If I want you to love me, this is what, where I start. So they have to start there and teach her what it means to be loved and touched in a loving way and teach her what it means to love like Jesus Christ loves you and I and they're loving and walking with this girl and this is one example Maria at nine years old they would love her and they would walk with her and she would start to build trust and love and understand what it means they'd have to try to teach her that there's a loving God I, I, I have to think that was pretty hard for her to even comprehend there's a loving God given the fact of what she's been through well, at the end of the day, they sat down with the gospel of Jesus Christ and, and, and told Maria about Jesus. And maybe you've never heard the gospel, but they explained it to her in a way that I think everybody should hear it, just very point blank. There is a hateful, evil world that we live in. And because we all are part of it, maybe not like as perverse as that, but I'm telling you, sin is sin. I'm a sinner. I don't know about you, but I screw up every day. And God knows it. And God is so in love with you and I that he would send a man, a son named Jesus Christ to earth, 
Remember the New Testament starts there? Sends him to earth to die a criminal's death. That, and what that means is Jesus takes the blame for all, everything we've done wrong. It, get this, it, could even, it, it even covers the sins of, of the parents that prostituted her out if they want it. It even covers the sins of the guys that had sex with her if they want it and they accept the good news. I know that's hard to hear, it might be, but the, the grace of Jesus Christ is scandalous and it is incredible and it is amazing. And they're sharing the gospel and they tell Maria, Maria, if you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you believe he's God's son, that he died on a cross and he rose from the dead to de defeat sin, defeat death, it will change your life. It will change your life. Jesus Christ will enter into you and he'll start to make you new. Do you want that? And she, she kind of responds and they, they walk through it in English and Spanish because she speaks predominantly Spanish. But they want to make sure she gets it. They want to make sure it's clear. Do you understand that a man, Maria, loves you so much? I know what men have done to you in your life, but this man isn't like other men. This, this God isn't, isn't like others that you've seen here. He's perfect. We're imperfect. He's perfect. And he died for you and he loves you. And that day, Maria went literally from death to life. Now you tell me, was it worth that couple burning plan B and giving up a pension or giving up retirement or giving up what God was doing here or there to leave it all and sell it all, move to Peru? I would say it was. If the only person they ever reached in a year and a half was Maria, I would say it was worth it. Would you say it's worth it? God is so good to us. God is so good to us. That's how much he loves you. There are people dying. And if we don't step in by faith to God's plan, who's going who's gonna to rescue them? Who's going to reach them? And I'm not saying you got to go to Peru, but if God calls you there, you should do it. Whatever God calls you to do. I'm convinced of one thing. There comes a time when you and I, we've got to stop praying for clarity. God, give me clarity when it comes to your plan in my life. we got to stop praying for clarity and start praying for faith to take a step into the plan that he already has for us and trust by faith that he goes before us and that he watches over us and that when we step into his will, he will make a way. It's what God does. It's what he wants to do. He loves you and he's moving. If God calls you to it, he'll see you through it. We will not live our God-given purpose by playing it safe. Like the rich young ruler, I think, I think it today, we, we sell out for so little, for so little, instead of going all in for so much. Because we think our little is a lot. God says, you haven't seen nothing. But we walk by faith. So I'm gonna close, and I don't know what God is calling you to do. For some people, you're gonna walk away from something and you're gonna start something. For others, you might, you might say yes to, maybe you're struggling in your marriage, you might, you might burn the back door of your marriage and say, that's not an option, I'm in. And I'll do whatever it takes to make this work. I, it might be a career, it might be a relationship, it might be in the church. We had, we had over 12 people step onto dream teams just last week, that's our serving teams in the church. I'm telling you, God is building his church. It is incredible. Maybe you're gonna step in a life group or a dream team. Maybe you're gonna start giving for the first time financially. You've never trusted God with your money. Maybe today is that day. Not because I said it, but because of what he says and what he has for you. He is a good God. We will not live our God-given purpose by playing it safe. And I get it. It's difficult to imagine, isn't it? As you sit at the Jordan River, it's hard to imagine. Go back to that, that story in the beginning of the ships. 
It's hard to imagine burning the ships, isn't it? It's difficult because you can't see the other side of the river, but I promise you something. If you burn those ships, Jesus will part the water. And when he parts the water, you're gonna, you're gonna discover something very quickly. You never needed them. You didn't need the ships because Jesus Christ takes you where you need to go. He will do it. You just have to trust him. And for the gospel that I presented earlier about Jesus loving you and dying on a cross for you, for some of you, you've never truly committed to that. You've been like me. You believed in Jesus all your life. You just haven't surrendered your life to him. That was my story all my life until 10, 11 years ago. Believing in Jesus, it, 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 the rich young ruler believed in Jesus. It's a surrender. What's holding you back between what Jesus has for you? You already know what it is. I don't even need to tell you. The Holy Spirit will tell you. Do whatever he's telling you to do. Maybe it's a commitment or a recommitment. Maybe it's a prayer request that you're going to put in our prayer team today. Maybe you're going to come up and pray with our prayer team. I don't know what it is. I just know that Jesus loves you. He died for you. And we will not live our purpose that he's given us if we don't live by faith. Father, I thank you so much for the word, for your truth. You're good. And you're God. Have your way today, God. Your spirit is just getting started, moving in the lives of the people. I know this is a challenging message because by default, I think we want to, we want to stay with what's familiar. We want to stay in our comfort zone. But until we step out of that, God, we will not live our purpose. It won't happen. I know it won't. That couple that left everything that was comfortable in the United States and, and, and moved to Peru, I know there's a young girl who's pretty grateful that they burned the plows. I know there's a young girl that's pretty grateful that they torched plan B and they went all in. God, that's one story of, of literally millions that you want to do. Speak to us, God. And I pray for everybody in this place that they will have the courage and the strength to do whatever you're asking them to do in this moment. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody says, amen.